It's good to be in church this morning. It's good to be um, in the neighborhood uh, of believers, the community of believers. And this morning, I have the privilege of talking a little bit about Advent, a time for joy. And as I was preparing for this message, and it was about joy, and anyone who knows me knows I like joy. I already had someone come up to me and say to me, hey, I know you like presents, and it's Christmas, so don't go without getting your present from me. I won't go without remembering to get my present from you. Because it is a time of giving. That's why I want a Lamborghini. I just thought if the kids were saying, hey, this is what I want, no pressure on, on, on you, Tim, and your wife for um, um, having to know what you get. But uh, I just, Cheryl, Lamborghini, black, Countach. Um, black, Countach. I know. Anyway. But my heart was burdened because I believe that, uh, especially in the last 24 hours, God has uh, put upon my heart as I prepare this message of a time for joy. A heart for breakthrough, a heart to actually see change, change in our world, change in our finances, change in our families, change in our community, change in our neighborhood, change in our country, change in this world. And I believe beyond doubt that there is change coming for some people. Well, change is coming whether you're ready for it or not. Change is coming and get used to it. There is change coming. When I looked at joy, and I looked at the antonym for joy, the opposite, the word despair, despondent, dispirited, and hopelessness comes up. And so we, as we approach Christmas, for some of us, I'm like an excited kid. Yesterday, it looked like it was going to storm, and I said to Cheryl, we've got to go to South Bank. And I went to the carols for kids, and I, I want to be as much in Christmas and amongst lights and amongst people as what I can be, because I just love Christmas. But Christmas can be a time of despair. This season can be. It, you're despondent. You're feeling dispirited. Or you might feel hopelessness. So this message is for us today. We're continuing our journey, this Advent for everyone. And I trust you've been enjoying the journey with the readings and the devotions. And I just love the richness of listening to what other people have to say. I think this week was Stella and Jonah that actually shared. And it was absolutely, yeah, just give them a clap. Um, there's just richness in it. And to me, if you haven't gone and watched them, you've lost nothing yet. Go back and watch them because they are rich in what other people bring from the season. And today is the penultimate sharing. Tomorrow's Christmas Day. Tomorrow we're going to find out a bit more about a time for Jesus. But as we share, as we talk, I just want to connect it to the last three messages. A time for thanksgiving, a time for patience, and a time for humility. When, we, when Josh spoke about thank, thanksgiving, we're thankful for Jesus and community. And I want to highlight this thought. Without the name of Jesus, nothing we say or do makes sense. Without the name of Jesus, just hold on to that for a thought, for a moment. Patience. Joy spoke about patience and about being patient with others, ourselves and God. And she spoke, and I love the line she used, Jesus is always on his way. If you're feeling hopeless, despondent, despaired, dispirited, guess what? Jesus is on his way. He's coming into that moment. Jesus is always, he's coming back. Humility, sharing the gospel. Jake shared last week about humility. Sharing the gospel as servants of Christ. It's not about me. It is always about Jesus. 
If you haven't picked the season of Advent, if you haven't picked the theme, is it's always about Jesus. Now, I do not want to share, steal from the message tomorrow. However, it's come through every single week. Without the name of Jesus, nothing we say or do makes sense. Jesus is always on his way, and it's not about me. It is always about Jesus. And so we come to this time of Advent, a time for joy. And it just so happens that the scurs are back, and it just happens that all three of them, we have a trifecta this morning, um, is that I've asked Mareka to do the reading. So I'm going to ask Mareka to come up and please do the reading for us. Good morning, everyone. Um, today we're reading from Romans 16, 25 to 27. The final blessing. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel, the proclamation of Jesus the Messiah in accordance with the unveiling of the mystery kept hidden for long ages, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings according to the command of the eternal God, for the obedience of faith among all nations to the only, the only wise God through Jesus the Messiah, to whom be glory to the coming ages. Amen. Amen. Thank you. When you read that scripture, you kind of ask yourself, what the heck's going on here? If you just kind of play around with the words, and that, that verse ends, um, the verse ends with the words, um, for the obedience of faith among the nations, to the only wise God, through Jesus the Messiah, to whom be glory to the coming ages. And it's like, so, so who's getting the glory? Now, I just want to, I want to demonstrate something, and I do have parental consent. So if I could get the three young men that I've asked to help me, um, I've also asked Jonah to come and help me as a backup. So if you guys want to just kneel over here for me, facing that way, because we'd rather see the front end than the other end. Uh, Jonah, if you want to stand that side there for me. I've also got permission from the Newingtons. If I could have the Newington boys, please. Um, so if you guys go down on your hands and knees, just move a little bit back. We're going to build a human pyramid. Now, I am responsible for work health and safety. Um, I might, might not have filled forms in. Um, I can't see how this could go bad. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to come on this one, please, because he's a little bit lower. And if you want to come this side for me, please. All right. And if, do you want to come and stand on the top? You want to help him stand on the top. So here we have, I, I've just warned because most of these people haven't broken bones before. So Jesus, please. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's my problem. Um, so, so if you want to stand over here, put one foot here and one foot here. So, so kind of this Bible verse is kind of like the star. So this Bible verse is kind of like this. And this is what it kind of looks like. But in the last sentence, kind of this is what happens. So just watch. Fall. You can fall over. <laughs> All right. Give them a hand. Thanks, guys. The back, the bottom row is way too sturdy, <laughs> way too sturdy. Maybe I was too strong around the door. Please don't hurt yourself. Your mother will kill me. Your dad, he'll have a good laugh. Mom, <laughs> see? When we look at this Bible verse and, and you look at the end um, and you're looking at what's happening over here, you'll start to understand that there's actually something happening. And I've kind of tried to represent it. Uh, with this triangle. There's a foundational statement. There's one, two, three things happening. 
built on top of that's one or two, and built on top of that is one. And what, what Paul's doing is, as you examine the scripture, it's like he's write, he writes the whole book of Romans, and he gets to the last chapter, and he starts to unpack, and he starts to wrap it up, and um, his scribe is also going, hey, thanks for this person, thanks for this person, greet this one, greet this one, greet that one. The whole part of 16 is all about saying hello, goodbye. And he gets to this last piece, and it's like this big crash. It's like this pyramid of humans just falling to the floor. It's just like Paul's words literally take a tumble, a happy crash, a delightful tumble as they all, his words come crashing down. Now, scholars can't agree whether Paul intentionally dictated it this way or whether he just dictated what was in his heart. Then when he read back and he said to Tishes, read it back to me and he kind of heard it, he went, you know what, that's a clumsy sentence but I'm okay with that because it carries the heart and the sentiment of the person of Jesus. It carries the heart and the sentiment of the gospel. Paul added clauses and phrases here and there in that last piece, and the sentence gets top-heavy, and it falls over kind of with arms and legs going everywhere, except my arms and legs just kind of stood there. Should be rugby players. So when we look at this verse again, I want to just unpack that last, those last two verses using that framework. Down the bottom, on the foundational statement, the foundational statement is to God be glory forever. Can you say that? To God be glory forever. Yeah, you kind of warned me you were going to be a little cool this morning with the way you clapped for the band. To God be glory forever. So I have a time we need to finish, but we're not going home until we're there. So if you've got a cat in the stove, you need to anyway. Tastes like chicken anyway. So thanks, Jill. I love the joke. To God be the glory forever is the foundational sentence in that whole statement. Sitting just above it on the next level is the three thoughts. God is described in terms of what he can do for Christians. It means they can be strengthened. You and I can be strengthened by the gospel. So to God be the glory. Why? Because we are strengthened because of the gospel. To God be the glory. Why? Because what has happened in the gospel, number two on that, on that line, is that's the realization of the ancient story of God, Israel, and the world, which includes all of us. It includes you and me. Why does God get all the glory? Because number three, the gospel has been shared around the world and creates an obedience of faith. So God gets the glory because of the gospel. Sitting just above that is the next level. Number two, the gospel has been made known through the prophetic writings. We don't know, the scholars write about, we don't know whether Paul was exclusively referring to the Torah or the Old Testament writings, or there had been those plus some, some modern writing around his period that were prophesying about the coming of a Messiah. But it does not matter. What matters is that there was these prophetic writings. The second thing on that second level is that this happened due to the command of God. So to God be all the glory forever. Why? Because we receive strength from the gospel. Why? Because it's the historical arc that has been, is being, is being, and will always be. To God be all the glory. To God be all the glory because the gospel is shared around the world. 
To, why is that done? Because the gospel is, was prophesied about, and the gospel is there at the command of God. God said he would send someone. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, God said he would send someone who would bruise the serpent's head. His name is Jesus. The advent, the time for joy is because of the gospel. And right on the top, the pinnacle of the triangle is why does God get the glory? Why can we be strengthened through the gospel? Why is it the historical ark? Why is it the gospel being shared? Above that, why is the gospel, was the gospel made known through the prophetic writings? Or how has the gospel been made known? What has happened due to the command? The top of the triangle, which you find in the last line, the middle of the last line of that Bible verse that Mareka read, is through Jesus Christ, our Messiah, because of Jesus. And that's where it all falls over. When you look at that Bible verse, when you look at that Bible verse, it just says, to, to the only wise God, through Jesus the Messiah, to whom be glory, to the coming ages. That having Jesus in the middle of that last sentence is literally a, a human or a literary pyramid where everything falls down. And if I had to interview Paul and say to him, hey, Paul, what did you just do there? As I walked to Paul Tyson. Paul, what did you just do there? Paul's response would be, does it matter? It's all to the glory of God. Paul is doing something quite distinct here when he does this. I just want to get to the right slide. What is happening now, I know you can't read the little white words because they're way too small, but I wanted the whole triangle on there. In this letter to the Romans, Paul is writing about how God is revealing himself to humanity in, in Jesus, as Jesus, and through Jesus. And we've got to kind of get our heads around this. Jesus is revealed. Uh, theologians call this high Christology. Um, we, we've got to get our heads around this thought that Jesus is revealed as being fully and completely divine. And at the same time, he is fully and completely human. That's why whether his name is in the middle of the sentence and to who gets the glory, God or Jesus, Paul's going, it doesn't matter. God gets the glory. He's falling over these words and it's like that, like we all had a laugh. In the context of when this was written and to whom it was written, we also take notice of the phrase, the only wise God. In a world where wisdom was sought out and offered and even paid for, wisdom on how to live the good life was premium, Paul believed beyond doubt that the powerful gospel of Christ, which we read about in this closing passage, this piece that falls over, that was demonstrated that God was the only, God is the only, and God will be the only truly wise one. God alone knows how we were created, how this, how this life works, how you and I think, why things go wrong, and how they can be rectified. And so the whole of creation then dances with joy in this newfound freedom and, the, and join in the shout, to God be the glory forever. 
because of Jesus, because of the gospel, no matter how clumsy that sentence might seem, to God be the glory forever. Can you say that with me? To God be the glory forever. Oh, my goodness. I've got seven minutes to finish, so we're going to have to get some way up. To God, the gospel should make us come alive because of what Jesus did, because of this newfound freedom. I don't know, the day after, well, the night I got saved, I didn't sleep that night. I kept bumping Cheryl because she got saved way before me because she was far more obedient and far more discerning. But I kept waking her up going, oh, it says in the Bible, it says in the Bible, it says in the Bible. She went, shut up, go to sleep. You've just come to the party very late. But it was that whole night my whole body was, to God be the glory, to God be the glory because of Jesus Christ. God gets the glory and Jesus in the middle of the city. Who cares? To God be the glory. Can you join me at this time of Advent when we're remembering the coming birth of Jesus? It's about Jesus, but to God be the glory. Oh, my goodness. I'm building up a sweat over here. I'm going to ask Jack to make the air conditioners much colder. To God be the glory. May we never lose that first joy. May we never lose the joy that comes with the gospel, that comes with being free. I'm free. Yeah, I still stuff up. Yeah, I still make mistakes. Yeah, I threw something in the service this morning and Pastor Graham says to me, what are you doing? It's like, oh, yeah, I should have probably said something. But uh, guess what? I'm free. (laughs) I'm free. (laughs) Maybe at the next meeting. But I'm free. I'm free to God be the glory. God be the glory. I love that video. I don't know who picked the video, but it was like they weren't expecting that. I think Paul picks up on that thought as well, that literally to God be the glory, Jesus in the middle of it all. They weren't. We weren't expecting that. But he came and he died and he rose again. And he conquered death. You can't see the birth of Jesus without seeing the cross on the cross without seeing the birth of Jesus. They are connected to God. Be the glory. Now, I'm putting a lot of energy in, and we're going to get some energy back in a second. To God be the glory. Oh, we're getting there one ahead. So what does this joy look like? If I get what Paul's doing here, And it's his joy that infuses me, I think is the right word. His joy infects me. Then I should have a response of joy. Now, the, the, the Hebrews, this is not an ancient Hebrew song, please. It's actually, actually probably 1914, 1915, if my research is correct. But this song literally says, let us rejoice, let us rejoice, let us rejoice and be glad. So, to God be the glory, we're going to respond. As good people singing a bit of Hebrew. So, Hava Nagila, Hava Nagila, Hava Nagila, Ve Nishmecha. So, it's not a, it's a <laughs> guttural. It's like when that cat, cat anyway. Ha, <laughs> ha. Okay, so let's do this together. A cappella, two, three. Hava Nagila, Hava Nagila, Hava Nagila, Venice Macha, Hava Nagila, Hava. All right, stop. So if you're a guy, you can take out a hanky um, or a lady. I just find that quite fascinating. Um, your spouse, by the way, um, or a hanky and hold it in a hand and dance. So we're going to do this again because to God be all the glory forever. We are free. 
We are free. The joy of God fills us. So let's do that again. Hava Nagila Hava Nagila Hava Nagila Venesmacha. All right, all right, that's enough. Time out. That's enough. So we respond. This Advent, this time for joy, is because of the gospel. And Paul makes a mess of this last sentence in the book of Romans, and he doesn't mind. And we as human beings on the face of the earth should have that same response. We don't mind sometimes if we get a little bit of it wrong, if we make a mess with our words, if we kind of, because at the end of the day, it's about Jesus, it's about the gospel. And our response is to God be the glory. If we put Jesus or God for it, doesn't matter. Really. Well, to very strong biblical scholars, it will matter. But really, Paul goes, it doesn't matter. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. This is a season of joy. And because you know I love my paleo Hebrew. Joy, the Hebrew word for joy. So what does this joy look like? So modern days they celebrated singing Hava Nagila. But in ancient Hebrew, around Paleo-Hebrew comes from the time of Moses. How did they, when they heard the word joy, what did they see? What did they hear? What did they understand? And so understanding this is a time for joy, we've got to understand what this tells us about joy. Now the word joy is simcha. So say simcha. Uh, actually, simcha, if you want to get it, S-E-E-M, and then ah, simcha. So simcha, uh, a little bit of joy, it's not simcha. Simcha, that's it. Simcha is joy. It has these four Hebrew words in these four Hebrew pictures, shin, mem, chet, and hay. Shin is teeth, some which I have of. Some are missing. Mem, which is water. Chet, which is a fence. And hay, which is a man holding his arms up. It's a little picture like that. Uh, man holding his arms up. So what does shin, the teeth, mean? It means to consume and destroy. What does mem mean? It's water. It means chaos. Chet, the fence, means walls or a fence. And hay, the man holding his arms up, is to reveal, show, behold, or what comes from. So as a Hebrew, if I said to them, this is a time of joy, this is what they would hear. It's a time to destroy the walls of chaos to reveal his breath, to reveal the breath of God. It is God's breath that is revealed when we have joy. It's his breath in us and through us. I'm just like spitting God's spit out as well. Dwayne spit God's breath. <laughs> ah, joy, simcha. I just love that thought. A time for joy. It's a time to declare that the walls of chaos were destroyed to reveal the breath of God. Has always been, is, and always be, will be about Jesus. And when it's about Jesus, to God be all the glory. And if the sentence doesn't make sense, it's okay. Because we can celebrate with Paul, I'm free, I'm free. The walls of chaos have been broken down and the breath of God has been revealed in it. For, uh, thank you. For ancient Hebrews, joy was demonstrated in a spontaneous eruption of excitement. Think that paleo man. It's kind of like, ha, 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 ha. So we're going to all do that. Thank you. Thank you. Who did that? Who did that? 
Mate, next Sunday, or next Sunday I will have a slab of chocolate for you. You'll, you'll just remind me. Cheryl will remind me to buy it. You'll remind me to get it. At least you'll be at church. Um, slab of chocolate. That's the, that's the response. To God be all the glory. Ha ha. It's an absolute an abandonment of who you are. It's not caring about yourself and the person next to you. I am free because of Jesus, because Jesus is at the top of that triangle. It doesn't matter that the sentence seems confusing and where the glory goes. To God be all the glory because I am free. It's a time for joy. So come on, give me your best on one, and no, seriously, only one chocolate. So don't do this for chocolates. One, two, three. No, just a ha, 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 but thank you. One, two, three. And again. Louder. Come on, we want to lift the paint off the ceilings. One, two, three. To God be all the glory, joy, simcha. That's what this is about. We remember the birth of Jesus. Yoli, thank you. So we're going to finish. We're going to do two things simultaneously. We're going to sing. We sang it at the beginning, Joy to the World. And then we're going to just sing the first verse and go into second uh, to the chorus. But I'm not sure whether you're aware, when the person wrote Joy to the World, it's actually based on Psalm 98. And the thought comes out of Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him, for us. The Lord has made His salvation known and revealed His righteousness to the nations. He has remembered His love and His faithfulness to Israel. To all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of God. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with a harp. With a harp and the sound of singing. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for the Lord. For joy before the Lord. Simcha the king. Let the sea resound and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord. For he comes to the earth. Simcha. So we're going to sing this song. And I know this is kind of, Dwayne's talking, she's singing. Dwayne, shut up. No, no. Well, this is planned. We're going to sing. But as we sing, I started by saying for some of us, there's feelings of desolation. There's feelings of despair. There's feelings of hopelessness. And so we're going to stand together and we're going to take authority. And we're going to just sing these words with Yoli. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray. We're going to break the wall of chaos in your life, in my life. The wall of chaos in your family, in your finances. We're going to start to tear down the wall of chaos so the breath of God can be revealed in all these situations. Won't you stand with me?